great question. <laughs> and I even don't know that answer, but it is really great. A long time ago, there was a girl named Mary, and she was doing something either inside or outside the house. She had brown hair with a dress on. The dress was blue and um, sneakers. And then an angel named Gabriel appeared up and he said, Mary, you are going to have a baby, the son of the living God. His name is, you will name him Jesus and he will be very royal. Something like that. Okay. I'm so happy. <laughs> he had a t-shirt on and sneakers. An angel appeared. Joseph, you're going to have a baby, and you should not be afraid, but be excited about it. Then he vanished. An angel came up to me and said, you will marry Mary. And then they rode on a donkey all the way to Bethlehem, and then they, and then they asked the keeper from the hotel, we... We need a place for the night. And then he said, I have no room. And then they had to go on the barn. During that time, the wise men found a star. One with a tomato and one with a cucumber. It's a veggie tale movie. You know, food don't talk, but this food does talk with eyes and a mouth and a nose. They remembered a long time ago written, there was going to be a baby written down, written and then a scar in the sky which show when he was being born. We should follow the star and bring gifts to Jesus. Let's go ride some camels. So they took a journey over oceans and seas, long lands, plains, mountains. They had to go so far just to see this baby. The wise guys brought Jesus gold, frankincense, and mud. That night, an angel appeared to the shepherds while they were watching their flock of sheep. They, like, wear a bag on their head. Outside, they, like, covered it open, like, so he could see on their face. In their hand, they have, like, a little, like, a cane. Yeah. Like old people. It has wings. It does have wings. The angel Gabriel said, Do not be afraid. There's a new um, baby named Jesus by that star over there. And the shepherd said, We have nothing to wear. Why would we go see a king like this? God doesn't care. You can go just with nothing. They rejoice so happy that they bring there. The table it smelled like animal. They used to hay for like a little crib. He's so precious. His little blue eyes. Baby Jesus, you are handsome. Cute and beautiful. Jesus was supposed to be born. God sent him to earth so he could live on earth too. 
so he can help people out and stuff. Jesus is the king of Christmas. Then they moved into a little house. A little house. It was so little. Tidy thing. It's so tidy. This is like the worst video. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas story through the eyes of children. It's so fun to, to hear their take on it. It's also wonderful to see how they're able to get the most important pieces of the story accurately. Jesus came to be a savior in the manger. And this morning we're finishing up this uh, series that we've been doing during Advent, the Songs of Christmas. And during the last several weeks, we've been looking at several Christmas carols and the story behind those carols and talking about the scriptures that go with those as well. Today, we're going to look at the classic carol, Away in the Manger, that we sang uh, twice so far today. And this song was published, um, first published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. And there's a lot of question marks around who wrote it. Uh, many people believed for quite a while that it was Martin Luther, the great reformer, and that uh, there were even some uh, thought that it was something that he had sung to his own children. But uh, after his passing away, none of the writings, none of his writings had this poem in it. And in fact, the first time that it showed up was about 100 years later, in a Lutheran church in Pennsylvania. So this poem has been put to 40 different tunes, the most popular of which is the one that we just sang together. It's a much-loved song in the church, and especially with children because of the simplicity of the melody and of the words, and it's touched hearts for decades and decades. It gives us a great picture of that first manger scene. And over the last several weeks, we've been looking at the story from Luke 2, reading through it, little pieces or sections at a time. Today, we're going to finish that up. Last week, we left the shepherds out in the fields watching over their flocks after they had seen this, um, uh, these angels, this host of angels appear and tell them about the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. So we're going to pick up the story there this morning, if you want to read along in your Bibles, or um, it'll be on the screen as well. I'm going to be starting in verse 15. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So the shepherds received this... Um, Message, just a second. I gotta... They 
and uh, about the birth of his Savior. And so they took off to check it out. And the only clues, really, that they had were that they would find a babe wrapped in cloths in a manger. And, you know, Bethlehem is not a very large town, so it probably didn't take them long. But sure enough, they found the baby Jesus lying in the manger, just as the angel had announced. In fact, Luke points out that everything was just as they had been told. Mary, Joseph, the baby, the cloth, the manger. And, you know, many of us have a miniature version of this in our homes. Uh, here's one from our, our house. I guess you can't see it very well. I need to learn how to work with F-stops and backlighting and, and all that kind of thing. But, but you may have a crush in your home, too, or a, a manger scene. And we see larger versions of these on church lawns, in front of homes, and in the community squares all over the world. With all the characters in place, you know, you've got baby Jesus at the center, and then Mary and Joseph, the shepherds, the wise men, uh, everyone's there, and, and Jesus is at the center, unless he's been stolen. And uh, apparently, over the last several years, there's been a rash of manger scene thefts and baby Jesus comes up missing uh, from these outdoor nativity scenes. Now, here's some folks who put out a plea for theirs to be returned. Please put baby Jesus back. Thank you. Uh, baby Jesus missing. Please return. No questions asked. And another one. Please return baby Jesus and uh, this problem is actually such a, a large problem that a security company called Brickhouse Security started offering free GPS tracking units that you can put in your baby Jesus figurines. And uh, these tracking units can be hidden inside plastic baby Jesus or in the ceramic Jesus or whatever, and uh, places that the thief wouldn't think to look. And then all the chair of trustees or the pastor has to do is, you know, load the app, and you can actually locate within 10 feet where baby Jesus is. So, which is a, is a great idea, I guess, uh, but a little too late for this poor soul who is, seems to be more distressed about the thief's uh, eternity, eternity than her lost baby. She says, pray for the ones who stole my baby Jesus. Again, pray. They are lost in sin. <laughs> who would do such a thing, right? And you can hear the anguish. And it must be distressing to have Jesus stolen. But there's actually a greater danger. And the greater danger is that we would hear the story of Jesus on Christmas. This beautiful story of Jesus coming as a baby, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in the manger. And afterward, go home to our family dinners uh, to enjoy our Christmas presents. And then Monday get on with our lives, and leave Jesus in the manger. The story of Jesus' birth, the Savior in a manger, should change us and shape the way that we live our lives. And uh, since I won't be here the next couple of weeks to get us started in the new year, I thought today we would look at three ways to keep Jesus in the center of your life in the coming year. And uh, these examples come from uh, the shepherds that uh, we just read this story about in that first manger scene. So in your message notes, if you want to pull those out, 
We're going to look at three ways uh, to keep Jesus at the center in the coming year. The first is to allow Jesus to be Lord of every area of your life. You know, the angels appeared to the shepherd announcing, Today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior is born. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Right? Jesus came to be both Savior and Lord of your life. And as you listen to the words of that song, Away in the Manger, you can see this emphasis in there as well. Away in the manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. And there's a Greek word in your uh, notes there, and it's the word that's translated Lord in your Bibles. It's kurios, and the meaning of that word is a person exercising absolute ownership rights, uh, master, Lord. And Jesus wants to be both Savior and Lord of your life. Why is that? Well, first, because he is the only one who has the authority and power to save you. And second, because he's God. He's the owner of the whole shebang. He knows what he created you to do, to be, and what he wants to do in your life and through your life. And so to experience God's best for you, then that takes submission. But allowing God to be in control is not easy. Um, I don't know about you, but I like to be in control. (laughs) And that's a common uh, thing among people, especially when it comes to the TV remote. Any remote remote controllers here? (coughs) You know, while many of us have had our lives transformed over the years, uh, for most of uh, for me and probably, probably for most of you, there's, there's still a disconnect, a, a gap between the person that I want to be and long to be and the person that I am. And maybe you've experienced that. There's a kindness gap, a patience gap, a generosity gap. Are you with me? We're gappy people. And that's a lordship problem. Jesus asked the religious folk of his day a question. And I think he may wonder that about uh, you and me on some days as well. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? (laughs) And in that statement, he gives us a way to measure Jesus' lordship. Am I doing what Jesus taught us to do? And in fact, did himself do when he walked on the earth. And in your message notes, I've, I put a space there for you to write down an area of your life that you would like to see some change in in 2017. Maybe an area that's kind of out of control because you're the one that's steering instead of letting Jesus uh, be the one who's sitting on the throne of your life. Jesus wants to transform and change your life but you have to cooperate with him. We're not able to do this on our own. We cannot change ourselves. And so um, the second thing that you'll need to do to keep Jesus at the center is intentionally draw near to Jesus daily. You know, when the shepherds heard the good news that a Savior had been born, they ran to seek him out. They wanted to see him and know him. They wanted to confirm that what they had heard was true. 
And then uh, they found Jesus just as the angels had told them that they would. No GPS tracking needed. But I wonder, are there days when Jesus has is missing from your manger scene? Maybe you've let busyness or something else steal Jesus out of the story that you and God are writing together that someday will be the story of your life. Transformation requires cooperation. And we read this in Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. I don't have a slide. Okay. Uh, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord... You must continue to live in obedience to him. Let your roots go down into him and draw up nourishment from him so that you will grow in faith, strong and vigorous in the truth you were taught. To nourish your life in Christ, you have to make time and be intentional about finding a way to root and ground your life in Jesus Christ. So there's a second uh, question there in your message notes that asks what steps are you going to take to deepen your walk with God in 2017? How will you draw near to Jesus in the coming year? And whether it's a New Year's resolution or not, I'd I'd encourage you to think about your spiritual life and what steps you can take to to go deeper with God in 2017. And maybe you would decide to be in a small group for the first time or make uh, time for a daily devotion. Maybe you've gotten away from reading the Bible. Or, or praying, or regular worship attendance. Uh, another thing you can do is to find ways to serve others. You're most like Jesus when you're serving out of love. So what steps will you take to deepen your faith in 2017? And then the third thing we can do uh, is to make his name and his goodness known to others. The angels told the shepherds, go and see. And when they had seen Jesus... Their response was to go and tell. And they, like the angels, became messengers of the good news. Uh, Look with me again at verse 17. Do I have a slide for that? Yes, I hope. (laughs) Okay. It says, When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And, you know, we are called to go and make his name and his goodness known as well. And I want to close with a little story. In Dittmar, um, Missouri, the St. Martin's United Church of Christ there uh, regularly had their baby Jesus stolen. It happened nearly every year. And so rather than devise a way to track their baby Jesus down or to keep him, you know, like nail him down or chain him down or something like that, they wanted to find a way to continue to have this display and this witness to the Christmas story, but um, a way that would symbolize also that Christmas is a time of giving. So the church has this nativity scene and it's all set up, but in the manger, there's no plastic Jesus or ceramic Jesus. They fill this manger with hundreds of bulbs that have a picture of Jesus on it. And there's a sign there that says, please take one. Jesus is a free gift. And as 
his people who have experienced the joy and the love and the goodness, we're called to share that love and goodness with others. And in your message notes, I put a couple of lines there at the bottom, and I would invite you to think about two or three people who maybe haven't yet experienced that, don't yet know Jesus Christ, or, or don't have a church home. Write their names there, and then pray for them throughout 2017, and, and watch for those opportunities to share the good news with them or to invite them to church. And if you'll keep these notes, just stick them in your Bible someplace, these three questions that we asked this morning would actually give you a good start on your goals for 2017. And uh, then you can kind of visit those throughout the, throughout the year as we keep Jesus as our Savior and our Lord. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we, we do thank you for this uh, time together. It's just beautiful to, to have uh, an opportunity to come together with others and remember the gift of Jesus. I pray for each family here that you'll bless them as they go uh, to celebrate Christmas together. I pray that your hand of blessing will be on them in every way, whatever their needs are, God, that they'll find them in you and that you would strengthen them, God, for the year ahead and help us all to keep you, Jesus Christ, at the center of our lives. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.